G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as corduroy pants? The title of our show today is What Are You Beholding? The ostrich is a very big bird. In fact, it's the biggest bird in the world. It stands at up to 2.7 meters tall and weighs up to 159 kilograms. The ostrich can run extraordinarily fast. It can run at speeds of over 70 kilometers an hour. However, the ostrich's brain is very, very small. It's smaller than its eyeball. And for this reason, when the ostrich feels threatened... Like, let's say its life is in danger. There's a lion coming around. Do you know what the ostrich does? The ostrich will run away as fast as it can, which is about 70 kilometers an hour. The idea that the ostrich buries its head in the sand is a myth. There was a group of scientists who studied over 100,000 ostriches, and never once did they see one of them ever bury their head in the sand. Now, I don't know what kind of scientists do this kind of research, but what the ostrich actually does is it lays its eggs and sometimes will roll their eggs using their head, which gives the impression that their head is buried in the sand. But they are never known to actually bury their head in the sand. When threatened, they will run away as fast as possible. Bananas. Vomit. Something very interesting happened in your brain when I said these words. In fact, a small expression of disgust most likely came over your faces, and for the next little while, you're going to have a slight aversion to bananas. Don't worry, it'll pass in about two minutes. The reason for this was because these words were presented together. When your brain hears a word like vomit, it will respond by activating the center of the brain that remembers memories associated with this word. And because of this, the things that we hear, we actually experience them. There's a group led by a gentleman named John Barge at New York University who did a very interesting experiment. They gave people five words and asked them to make four-word sentences. For example, they were given words such as finds he, it, yellow, instantly. And they were asked to make four-word sentences. One could be he finds yellow instantly. This was the control group. The group that they were actually testing were given words that had a theme pertaining to the elderly. These words included grey, forgetful, bald, Florida, wrinkle. And what they did is they asked the people to take the sentences they wrote down the hall to where someone would mark the answers. What they didn't realize is that the experiment actually took place in the hall that they walked down. They found that people that had words pertaining to the elderly took significantly longer to walk down the hall. This is now termed the Florida effect. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Simply saying and writing a word vaguely pertaining to the elderly can affect you. It can actually make you walk slower without you realizing it and without your consent. Another group in England did another experiment looking at an honesty box, which we'll look at just after this song. I come to you, let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in you. And Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses I see in me. Stripped away by the power of your love, hold me 
travel so with you your spirit leads me on in the power of your love Lord unveil my eyes let me see you face to face the knowledge of your love as you live in me to live in me Lord renew my mind as your will unfolds in my life in living every day in the power of your Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigel, and today we've just found out that the Florida effect shows us that writing words vaguely associated with the elderly will influence the writers to actually walk slower. Another group in England did an experiment where they were looking at an honesty box. We used to have one of these when I was studying at Monash University. And essentially what happened was, if you wanted to get some chips or some candy or some other things that they had there to eat, what you would do is you would put some money in the honesty box. Now, since it was run by students, it wasn't run for profit. So you could get these items significantly cheaper than you would get them at the canteen, for example. What these people did is they decided to put images above the honesty box. One week, they would put images of flowers. And the next week they would put images of eyes. And they did this for a period of 10 weeks, alternating eyes and flowers. And what they found was truly remarkable. In the weeks where eyes were present, the people put three times as much money in the honesty box as the weeks where the flowers were present. Think about this. An image can make you give more money without your consent, and without you realizing it. No one commented that they noticed these images. Essentially, they were experiencing the things they saw. Because when they saw eyes, even though no one was actually there present looking at them, they behaved in the way that they would if someone was actually being watched. Their brain made the connection and thought, Oh, I'm being watched because of these eyes. So again, I want you to think about this. An image of eyes can influence someone to give more money without them realizing it. Another group wanted to have a look at the influence that money has on behavior. And what they did is they tested a number of students. The control group didn't have any money prompts, as they called them. But the group that was actually being tested they had two ways of prompting the brain to think about money. One was that there was a screensaver of floating dollar bills somewhere on a computer in that room. And the other way was they had a small stack of Monopoly money 
somewhere on one of the tables in the room. And what would happen was, while they were apparently waiting for the experiment to happen, someone would walk into the room carrying a big stack of books and a little cup of pencils. 27 pencils, in fact. You know the pencils that you use when you're playing mini-golf, the really tiny ones, or the ones you get at Ikea? And as they walked past the test subject, they would drop the pencils and then struggle to pick them up while holding the big stack of books they were carrying. And what they found was that the people that were prompted with money, the ones that had money on the brain, helped them pick up significantly less pencils than those who didn't. In another group they tested, there was a student in the room who was asking for help. The people who had money on the brain, who had the money prompts, spent significantly less time helping the person in need than those who didn't. They also asked them to put two chairs out for an interview. They found that the people thinking about money put the seats significantly further apart than those who weren't. I think it was around 70 centimeters on average further apart than those who didn't have money on the brain. Again, I want you to think about this. A random thing in the room can influence your behavior. A small stack of monopoly bills in the corner of the table can make people be more selfish without them realizing it and without their consent. Daniel Kahneman is a Nobel Prize winning researcher in the field of psychology and economy. And he gives us this statement. Living in a culture that surrounds us with reminders of money may shape our behavior and attitudes in ways we do not know about and of which we may not be proud. It's no wonder Jesus said it's hard for someone who's wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. What you see and hear around you can shape and influence your behavior. But in what way is this relevant to us today? We'll find out just after this song. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to Thee Just stay closer, walk with Thee Granted, Jesus is my plea Thank you. 
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao and today we're looking at the things that may influence our behavior. We have found out that vague words associated with the elderly can influence people to actually walk slower. We've also found out that pictures of eyes can make people give more money than they would if the picture was not there. We've also found out that a small stack of Monopoly money can make someone act in a more selfish manner. Now, all of these things happen without the people's consent and without them even realizing it. What you see and hear around you can shape your behavior. It can make you behave in ways that you wouldn't if these things were not around you. Now, I spent a significant part of my life watching all kinds of nonsense. I would spend an average of about eight hours a day watching all kind of rubbish shows. Every day I was just filling my mind with nonsense. Now, I'm going to give an example of a show that I watch, and this is just one of very many I used to watch. It was a show called Vampire Diaries. The things that happened in this show were, in my opinion, not fit for Christian consumption. A number of rituals that would happen were, were clearly satanic. There was ritualistic worship, there was violence, and there were very sexualized scenes. And I used to think, ah, it's okay. It's not too bad. Even though the warning label was quite clear. It said, strong, supernatural themes and violence. And I thought, ah, this doesn't affect me. There's a number of warning labels on the things that we watched, and I actually used to look at these labels, and instead of thinking, oh, hang on, this had sex scenes and drug use, it may not be suitable for Christian consumption. I used to actually use the labels to select the things that I was going to watch. I'd be like, ooh, violence and nudity, yes, please. The enemy has found a way to enter into our house and make us sin without even moving off our couch. Jesus said, You've heard it said by those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Many of the shows that I was watching had very sexualized scenes causing me to lust and commit adultery in my heart. A little earlier in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, You've heard it said by those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders is in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause is in danger of the judgment. The shows that I used to watch were full of violence and revenge. In fact, there was a show I'd love to watch which was actually called Revenge. And I just want to ask you to think about this idea for a little bit. If a small stack of Monopoly money can influence your behavior without you realizing it. If some eyes printed on a piece of paper and stuck to the wall can influence your behavior, if vague words pertaining to the elderly, such as wrinkle and bald, can make you walk slower, do you think that watching things full of violence, coarse language, can potentially influence your behavior? The question I have for you today is, what are you beholding? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, Paul is writing here is that if we focus our eyes on God, we are being transformed. We are being transformed into His image by spending time beholding God. I've shared with you before how my life changed after I read the book called Falling in Love with Jesus. In fact, this book led me to spend time daily reading my Bible. What I didn't share with you was something that happened about four months prior to this, which I believe was critical in allowing God to change my life. And we'll find out what it is just after this song.
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? You're listening to Marius Jigao and today we've been looking at the things we're allowing to influence our thoughts and behavior. We've discovered that words and pictures and objects are able to influence us in ways which we may not be aware of and of which we may not be proud. We also asked, how do the things that we view affect us and what kind of things are appropriate for Christians to consume on TV? I've shared on a number of occasions that my life changed when I decided to put aside time for God each day. But what I've not shared with you before is something that happened four months prior to this life-changing experience. In fact, I still remember it. It was seven years and 19 days ago. I made the decision, I'm not going to allow myself to watch things from Hollywood that I know are unfit for Christian consumption. And something happened in my life because of the two things I did. One of the things I did was to try shut out the influence of the enemy in my life. The other thing I did was to focus on God and this completely changed my life. Paul writes, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely and admirable and excellent or praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You see, Paul knows that when we meditate on things that are true and noble and praiseworthy, we will be changed into the same image. Our characters will be made more noble, more pure, more lovely. Now, if we can be changed 
into looking more like the character of God by looking at godly things. Do you think the opposite is also true? If we look at ungodly things, can our characters also be changed in that direction? My question again is, what are you beholding? Paul gives us a list of negative character traits and behavior that's ungodly in Galatians chapter 5. He writes, Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, fractions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Didn't think they had Hollywood back then. But what do you know? These things I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. One of the founders of our church, Ellen White, writes, If we venture on Satan's ground, we have no assurance of protection from his power. Think about this. If you use a war illustration, imagine that you're going to war and we are at war with the enemy. If in the battle you would decide to say, Hey, you know, I'm going to go for a walk in the enemy's camp. I'll just walk right past those snipers, but I'll be fine. God will protect me. What the author is saying here is, no. If we venture into his ground, deliberately going where we know we shouldn't go, we have no assurance of protection from his power. She continues, those who would not fall prey to Satan's devices must guard well the avenues of the soul. They must avoid reading, seeing or hearing that which will suggest impure thoughts. So essentially, those who wouldn't fall prey to Satan's devices, those who would not fall victim to Satan's tricks, must guard the avenues to the soul. Now what are these avenues to the soul? How does one reach the soul? Well, the avenues to our soul, the avenues to our mind, are through our senses. That's why she writes, we must avoid reading, seeing, or hearing that which will suggest impure thoughts. The mind must not be left to dwell at random upon every subject that the enemy of souls may suggest. I have an issue with this sometimes. I've actually recently been convicted that this is something I need to work on. Because what I find myself doing is I find myself scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And, you know, things come up and I wonder, oh, what's this about? Or what's that about? And as I start to listen... Quite often there's language that's inappropriate for Christians to hear. I see videos of people dressed in a way that's not really appropriate for me to look at. And I'd say to myself, ah, it's not that bad. What Ellen White says is that the mind must not be left to dwell at random upon every subject that the enemy of souls may suggest. The heart must be faithfully sentineled or evils without will awaken evils within and the soul will wander in darkness. We need to avoid things which will suggest impure thoughts. Now I have a question for you. Do you think that sex scenes provoke impure thoughts? Do you think that violence provokes impure thoughts? Do you think that coarse language provokes impure thoughts? What about nudity? However we think, Ah, it's not so bad. The idea that something is not that bad is a very interesting one, which we'll examine just after this song. Oh, love that will not let me go I rest my weary soul in thee I give thee back the life I owe That in thine ocean depths its flow May richer, fuller be O light that followest all my way I yield my flickering torch to thee My heart restores its borrowed ray That in thy sunshine's blaze its day 
make brighter, fairer be. O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promises not vain. That morn shall tearless be. O cross that liftest up my head, I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust, life's glory dead, and from the ground there blossoms red. Life that shall endless peace. Life that shall endless peace. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Mario Strigo, and today we've been examining how the things we look at influence our behavior. We've so far discovered that vague words associated with the elderly can influence people to walk slower. We've also found that a picture of eyes can make people give more money than they would if that picture was not there. We've also found that a small stack of Monopoly money can influence people to act in a more selfish manner. Now, if this is the case, how do violence and sex scenes and coarse language and nudity influence our thoughts and behavior? My response to these things was, ah, it's not that bad. It's not so bad. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. We're told here that the thief only comes for one purpose. He doesn't come to entertain us. He doesn't come for the purpose of making us have some rest and and just have some quiet and peace. No, his purpose is very clear. His purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And for much of my life, I used to think, ah, it's not that bad. There's something that I've recently become aware of. If it's not that bad then it's at least a little bad, right? I mean, you don't say it's not that bad for something that God gives you. God doesn't give any bad. So if it's not that bad, then it's at least a little bad. And if it's at least a little bad, then we know where it comes from. It comes from the enemy. And it's designed to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I had a look at the average time that Christians and non-Christians watch television. I found that Protestants watch an average of 3.1 hours of television daily. Catholics, it's 3.5. I found that non-Christian faiths watch an average of 2.7 and atheists an average of 2.6 hours of television per day. Now, I'm not saying that everything we watch on TV necessarily falls into the category of something that's inappropriate for Christians to watch. But I do think that if you were to be honest, it's quite likely that a good chunk of it does. How many of you have heard of a gentleman named Anton LaVey? Anton LaVey was the founder of the Church of Satan, and he wrote a number of books on how his religion should be practiced. This is a quote directly from him. He says, There are television sets in every home, every restaurant, every hotel room, every shopping mall now. They are even small enough to carry in your pocket like electronic rosaries. It is an unquestioned part of everyday life. Now remember, this was written quite a while ago. 
He continues that kneeling before the cathode ray God with our TV guide concordance in our hand, we maintain the illusion of choice by flipping the channels, chapters and verses. It doesn't matter what's flashing on the screen. All that's important is that the TV stays on. Now, I want to ask you, do you think that the founder of the Church of Satan knows that by beholding, you become changed? Here's another quote from him. Many of you have read my writings indicating that TV is the new God. There is a little thing I neglected to mention up until now. Television is the major mainstream infiltration for the new satanic religion. Now this is straight from the horse's mouth. What he's saying is that the major way that the enemy infiltrates into our lives today is through the television. The mind is easy to manipulate. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, ah, not my mind. Now, I used to think like that. And I realize now that one who thinks like that is even easier to manipulate because you think you can't be manipulated. If a small stack of monopoly money can influence people's behavior, if eyes printed somewhere on the wall can make you give more money, then the brain is easily manipulated and can be influenced by the things around it. Now, I love my wife, Gabrielle, very much. And she's been such a blessing in my life. Spending time with her has really changed my character. She has helped me to become more loving, more patient, more kind, as these things have rubbed off from her character onto mine. But there are some things that I wish hadn't rubbed off on me. I find myself saying things like, tomato, and trunk, and basil. Now, just as a side note, Gabrielle is from America. Now, I know that this is slightly comical, right? But the point nevertheless stands. You see, I don't want to say tomato. Gabrielle takes great joy in hearing me say this accidentally. But I don't want to say it. In fact, I want not to say it. It goes directly against my conscious will. But spending time with her has somehow affected my brain and is changing and modifying my behavior and speech without my consent and directly against my conscious will. Our brains are easy to manipulate. So the question then comes to, How big is your brain? The average human brain is about 1,260 cubic centimeters. The average ostrich brain is about 43 times smaller at around 29 cubic centimeters. Nevertheless, when presented with information such as this, when presented with danger, when presented with things that can cause not only the loss of life, but the loss of eternal life, we tend to bury our heads in the sand. I read a quote a while ago which said, My mind is made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. I don't want to hear it, Marius. I want to end today by sharing a story which many of you may have heard before. Today, we are in a battle. We're in a battle between good and evil. And it's a battle for the mind. Now, our story goes like this. There was a young boy who went and spoke to his grandfather. And his grandfather started telling him the story that inside each one of us, there are two wolves that are fighting for control. One wolf is a good wolf. He represents things like love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is another wolf that represents all the evil characteristics. And they are constantly fighting for control. And the little boy looks at his grandfather and asks, if this battle is raging all the time, how do we know which one will win? Which one will win, Papa? And he looked at him and said, the one that you feed more. I want to leave you with the question, which one are you feeding more? 
We thank you for listening today, and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today, where we have video presentations on many topics, including the one we've just been talking about called What Are You Beholding? We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Chigau. God bless, and I hope you have a magnificent day. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear! See 
on the portals he's waiting and watching watching for you and for me come home come home you who are weary come home earnestly tenderly jesus is calling to come Could ever 
You've been listening to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story T'will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love